In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. By and large, weddings are wonderful occasions, aren't they? chance to celebrate with the happy couple and their families and to reconnect with friends who are also in attendance. I know how we long for the ability to do that a little more freely than we've had this year, don't we? But seeing the wedding party and their guests all looking their best, enjoying not only the ceremony, but the festive reception, whether it's simple snacks or a full meal, they're fun to go to and to attend it's good to have things to be excited about and to rejoice over. And of course, should you or I be invited to a wedding, there are certain cultural expectations that kick in, like what we should wear depending on what time of day the wedding is, or what gift we should buy depending on how closely we know the family or the bride or the groom, all sorts of those types of things. But there's more to a wedding, especially when we're speaking of Scripture. In both the Old and New Testament, the imagery of a wedding or the ensuing marriage are common images used to depict the relationship of God to his people. You might think of passages such as the book of Hosea, or one we'll read later from Revelations, which pictures the marriage feast of the Lamb. In our gospel passage today, Jesus once again uses this wedding imagery to challenge his original audience and us. In this story, it is the king, which we hear is likened to the king of heaven, who is hosting a wedding for his son. Not hard to figure out that that could be God and Jesus. As the story progresses, however, we get to see the reactions of people, both to being invited to the wedding and at the wedding hall itself. As we go through, let us not only seek to understand the passage, but to allow ourselves to put ourselves in it and consider whether we resemble anyone in the story, especially looking closely at those who reject the invitation and the man in the wedding hall who is cast out. By understanding and applying this text, we can attend this glorious wedding and be properly dressed. The context for our gospel this morning sees Jesus continuing to teach in the temple as he's been doing for another chapter or two already in Matthew. In attendance are crowds of people from all over who are in Jerusalem to attend the feasts. The chief priests and Pharisees, of course, are also present. The wedding of the prince, before our parable even starts, has already been announced. The invitations had already been sent out. And servants are now sent to call the people to attend to the marriage. As I mentioned, this imagery isn't new. God called Abraham He called the people of Israel, and he invited them into a relationship with him. And through them, that invitation was intended to go out to the world, to be in relationship with God. Through the language of the parable, Jesus now recalls for us how God sent prophets to Israel to remind them of their relationship, to call them to the marriage, the invitation to the wedding. But time and again in the life of Israel, the people simply aren't interested. They had no desire to be a part of the wedding. God the king is rather persistent 
He's not easily dissuaded. And he once again sends out servants to call his people to the marriage. And the invitation to come is a little more fulsome this time. He reminds them that all of the work has already been done. All the preparations are ready. The fatted calf has already been slain. The oxen have been slain. There is meat aplenty. It's going to be a glorious and sumptuous feast and dinner. All you have to do is come. But the people don't care. It's quite literally a good translation. They don't care. They don't care about the king. They don't care about his son. Instead, some went to their farms to put food on their own table. Some went to work. Got to pay the bills, you know. Put money in the bank. Others were so fed up with being asked to attend this wedding that they shot the messenger, to use our adage. They killed the servants. What about a modern comparison to such an invitation? If you were invited to a royal wedding at Westminster Abbey, would you go? I suspect you probably would. We've seen the glory of what one of those weddings looked like. We've had a couple recent in history. Some of you probably watched live William and Kate or Harry and Meghan get married. We know the glory of that. We know the, all of the festivities that go along with it. We'd probably want to be there. But such is an issue with our imagination as humans. We can easily picture the thing that we know, the thing that we've seen with our eyes or tasted with our lips and our tongue. But when God comes promising something far greater the fatted calf and the oxen and this glorious relationship, we're not so sure what that actually means. We'd rather trust the things that we know rather than the things that we don't. Our minds get stuck on the things of this world. We can't imagine what might be otherwise. Even though God offers us something that he claims clearly to say is far superior It's free. It's all his work that he has done. You have a hard time really imagining it. Perhaps even a harder time trusting that it's true. So a question for us might be, what distracts you or me from the invitation of God, not just to some future wedding, but to the marriage relationship that is ongoing with him? Perhaps it's our work, our family, or even doing good things and helping others that distract us from attending to God in this marriage. Jesus is pretty clear in this parable, however, that those people who refuse the invitation are then considered unworthy. They were worthy to receive an invitation, but their actions and choices to not attend are what make them unworthy. And God judges them as such. And as we saw in the exiles to Assyria and Babylon in the Old Testament, God will and can indeed judge his people quite harshly. And yet the parable is not done and God's work is not yet done. There's still a wedding. There's still a marriage and he wants the wedding hall to be filled. So more servants have been sent and are continually being sent the highways and byways and the farthest reaches of our world. The ending of the parable, we hear this line that 
Many are called, but few are chosen. I want to correct that language a bit. There's a bit of a Semitic, a Hebrew, Aramaic idiom being used here. It's probably better translated, all are called, but fewer than all will hear it and respond to the call. In this next stage, literally everyone is invited. The servants are sent out and said, everyone that you find, be they good people or bad, invite them to the relationship. Invite them to the wedding with God and his son. Are you a good person? Welcome, you're invited. Do you find yourself to be maybe a bad person? Guess what? You're invited too. Come. No one is excluded. The message is no longer primarily to Israel, but to the whole world. And as many as are found, come. And each of us who hears and responds to this loving and wildly generous invitation of the king will find ourselves in the wedding hall. And yet, accepting the invitation isn't the end of the parable. As with a human wedding, as I mentioned, there are expectations about our attire and how we present ourselves when we arrived. And this point is brought out in the parable by this guest in the wedding hall, whom when the king comes in, he sees is not wearing a wedding garment. This man promptly finds himself not just walked to the door and escorted out, but bound and cast out, not just outside somewhere or sent back home, but into outer darkness, a place of judgment and weeping and gnashing of teeth. This has a sense of permanence and darkness to it. Of course, the question for us is, what in the world is this wedding garment and how do I get one? I don't want to be cast out, nor do I think you do either. This passage has long troubled me until I was finally able to find some peace with it this week. Thankful for some commentaries that helped guide my path, one of which pointed me to the 19th chapter of John's Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, which, as I mentioned earlier, is another scene which envisions the marriage of the, of the Lamb, of Jesus, to his bride, the church. And the text says that the bride has been given opportunity to clothe herself with fine linen, which verse 8 of that chapter says is the righteous deeds of the saints. That is what makes up the linen wedding garment. Looking at the church fathers, Gregory the Great and Augustine also comment on this parable. And they agree that this wedding garment is love, charity, righteous deeds. Gregory says that this man that we read about in the parable may have faith, but he has not love. Augustine connects this need for love and charity to 1 Corinthians 13 in that although we may have many and wonderful gifts of prophecy and teaching and administration and other things, if we have not love, they are hollow and a resounding gong. While some of us may be at risk of refusing the invitation, more of us are more likely at risk of not being properly dressed. It's appropriate to ask in connection with our stewardship campaign if we're really all in when it comes to our faith. Not just our money. Far beyond that, in fact. Are we investing our time, our talents, into loving God, 
and to loving our neighbor, which Jesus says are the two great commandments. God has not only invited us to the feast, he's also endowed us with the Holy Spirit, with gifts with which to build up one another and to love and serve one another. But are we doing those things? Remember, our confession that we make each week, each time we have a Mass, or each time we do the morning prayer or evening prayer, it's not only concerned with the bad things that we have done, but with the things that we haven't done that we ought to have done. If we desire to be at God's wedding, to not be kicked out for wearing the wrong thing, we must first expand our imagination and to imagine the glory of what God is offering. This isn't just a wedding here at All Souls or the Country Club. This is a wedding to Jesus Christ. Presence in heaven and glory forever. With more sumptuous food than you've ever tasted. With more peace than you've ever known. We must not only accept that invitation and express our faith that God will do so. but We must also allow God to invade our lives and to encourage us to live out a love for our neighbor, for one another, such that we find ourselves properly dressed in the white linen of righteous deeds. My hope for all of us, myself included, is that we will press in to the hard work of discipleship, that we truly will be all in for Jesus and for each other, for our neighbor, here at All Souls. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.